If you're listening to this podcast, the chances are you've probably listened to others. You might even have been a guest on another show and maybe even toyed with the idea of starting your own podcast. In fact, during the pandemic, new podcasts being launched exploded at one point to over 100,000 new ones each month. But starting a podcast is only the initial hurdle. There are so many other things to think about, plan for, and at the same time, take care of running your real estate investing business and have a life. It turns out it's not for everyone. I would say most give up before 10. That's the number I've seen. And so we actually, so with podcastguest.com, we'll feature podcasts in our newsletter that are looking for guests, but they have to have at least 10 published episodes for us to do that. Most have a lot more, but that's kind of our threshold. And they can still use our service to invite people before that. But we've kind of found that, and it's amazing because we let people submit their show as soon as it starts. And we say, hey, we're going to wait till you have 10 episodes. And gosh, the percentage of those, you know, we go back and check from time to time, okay, have they hit 10? And so many of them never make it that far. That means of the almost 3 million podcasts out there, the vast majority are dormant. In fact, depending on the figures you look at, there are only between 300 and 700,000 active podcasts. And whilst those figures may be frightening, it actually presents quite the opportunity. Certainly, if you were to compare it to other forms of media that you might be using to promote your personal brand. Getting back to that idea of sitting in front of an auditorium of 100, 200, hopefully thousands of people on some podcast, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity that goes well beyond what you get on other types of media. So, you know, you think about the blog post, it's usually pretty short, it's quick, people read it, and then they're hitting the back button, right? YouTube videos are typically what, two minutes, three minutes in length. And so, what podcasting does is it gives you an opportunity to tell more of a story you know, 30, 40 minute story and really have a back and forth. So it's more akin to a radio interview. That's my guest this week, Andrew Allerman, and he helps podcasters find great guests and also helps guests find podcasts to appear on. The podcaster himself, he sees the challenges faced from both sides of the mic, and it's not all unicorns and rainbows for sure. He's clear about your need to be realistic with your expectations for a podcast and what it might bring you. I find a lot of people start podcasts because they think they're going to get a huge audience and sell a bunch of ads like Joe Rogan and, and Be Rich. If that's your goal, odds are you're going to fail. John Lee Dumas, who does the popular Entrepreneurs on Fire, he said at Podcast Movement this summer, he said he spends time, he sets aside time to be on 20 podcasts every month as a guest. And here's someone who has this super popular, super famous podcast. And so that's kind of some of the effort you need to put into growing it. So what if you think that running your own podcast is not for you, at least not initially? Well, you can still build your personal brand by being a guest on other podcasts. So I tell people two things. One, if you're wondering if you have the, not necessarily the skills, but the motivation to run a podcast, try being a guest on a couple shows first, because that in and of itself takes a little bit of work. Right. Not nearly as much work as being a host, but it does, you know, if you find like, that's too much work and you don't enjoy doing that, then you're probably not going to like being a host. The other thing I say though, is if you are interested in doing it, don't try to make it perfect before you launch because then, then you'll never launch. This is great advice. And Andrew offers a whole lot more in this insightful discussion, sharing a ton of advice on equipment, show formats, what kind of value you should be offering, the importance of picking a niche and a whole lot more. If you want to make podcasting part of your personal brand building strategy, stick around for the full interview after the break. 
This is REI Branded, the podcast all about building your real estate investing personal brand. My name is Paul Copcott, and my mission is to help you, the busy real estate investor, stand out from the crowd so that people can find you easily, want to work with you, and can't wait to refer you. Meaning that you can build a successful real estate investing business without feeling inauthentic, overwhelmed with marketing, or spending all day doing it. Because marketing is how you get their attention, but personal branding is why they choose you. But before we begin, if you're a real estate investor looking to build your business and stand out from the crowd, and you don't want to wait for all the knowledge, strategies, and how-tos to be slowly delivered to you via this podcast every week, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. That's the process I've created that has already helped dozens of real estate investors to define and develop their personal brands and build their real estate investing businesses. This audit is a mind-focusing, eye-opening insight addressing key questions like, is your message clear and consistent? Do you stand out as being different? Are you on people's radars and inspiring them enough to reach out and want to know more? The application only takes a few minutes and the link is in the show notes. After you apply, if it seems like I can help, we'll set up an initial conversation to explain the audit in more detail and answer any questions you have. So if you're a real estate investor who's committed to building your personal brand and business this year, then I invite you to apply for the REI Branded Audit. Now, back to the show. Welcome, Andrew. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. Podcasting, it's a big subject now. Something I know I hear from people is, have they missed the boat? Is it too late to get involved in podcasting? So... I would say absolutely not. If you look at the numbers, yes, a lot of podcasts have started over the past couple of years. For a while there, when COVID hit, we had record numbers. We had like 100,000 podcasts a month being started up. But the actual number of active podcasts right now is rather small compared to, to what you might think, depending on who you ask and how they're calculating. And it's about 300 to 700,000 podcasts are active right now. So it's not the millions number that you hear about that are maybe in Apple Podcasts because most of those are dormant. And so you compare that to other types of media, say blogs, YouTube channels, that sort of thing. It's, it's a pretty small number. So I definitely don't think so. I think you know this is kind of like we're going to look back on this 10, 20 years ago, thinking this is still early in the game. I wouldn't let that discourage anyone. If you have an idea and you're willing to put the time and effort that it takes to operate a podcast, I would definitely recommend taking that jump. And you make a good point time and effort. What's involved? Because I, I think a lot of people look at those other media and they say, well, blog, oh, that's easy enough. Or okay. YouTube, I've just got a phone, I can video myself. What does it take to get a podcast going and then keep it going? Probably. It's interesting because you, you're right. I mean, a blog, you can have that up in minutes now, right? It's super easy. And uh, podcasting takes a little bit more. You know, you're talking about a little bit on the equipment side, where we have our mics set up. Uh, you just need a podcast host. It's a lot easier than I think it was a few years ago because there are a lot of guides out there to make it easy. But really, the, the number one requirement is going to be your time. There's time if you have guests setting those up, planning the interviews, what you're going to ask them, time afterward, editing. And you can outsource a lot of this. I, you know, When I'm done with my episodes, I just send them to an audio editor who goes through, sets everything up, puts it on my host. And so I tell people two things. One, if you're wondering if you have the not necessarily the skills, but the motivation to run a podcast. Try being a guest on a couple shows first, because that in and of itself takes a little bit of work. Right. Not nearly as much work as being a host, but it does. You know, if you find that like, that's too much work and you don't enjoy doing that, then you're probably not going to like being a host. 
the other thing I say though is if you are interested in doing it, don't try to make it perfect before you launch. Uh, because then you'll never launch. And you're going to learn a lot after you launch about what your podcast audience wants, what you like, what they like. So get something out there. You know, The two things that I would recommend doing, spending a little bit of money on before you get started is a decent dynamic microphone. So the sound quality is good because that's the number one complaint about podcasts. And the other thing is I would hire someone to make a podcast cover art for you because that's kind of like the cover of your book, right? You wouldn't put a lot of effort into writing a book and then slapping a bad cover on there. Um, right. So hiring someone to do that. But other than that, you know, soundproofing your room and that sort of thing, that can come later as you get into it. You know, a lot of my wife started her podcast in our walk-in clothing closet and right. the clothes absorb all the sound. And now she's got eight and a half million downloads many years later. So you can see you, you can start in a in a simple way without spending a lot of money and then improve it as you go. And who should do a podcast? Yeah. Well, I, I would think about what your motivation is to turn that question around a little bit. And so I find a lot of people start podcasts because they think they're going to get a huge audience and sell a bunch of ads like Joe Rogan and, and be rich. If that's your goal, odds are you're going to fail. Keep in mind that the median number of downloads per episode for podcasts out there is fewer than 200. So I'd ask myself, if my audience was that size, what value would I get out of the podcast? But I think there are a number of things. So for some people, it might be they're interviewing clients or potential clients, so they're building rapport. Uh, for others, it might be the educational aspect that they get out of it. I also think another big benefit of podcasting is you can talk to a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't give you the time of day by saying, hey, you know, instead of, hey, I'd like to talk to you for a half hour to learn more about what you do, you could say, I'd like to talk to you for a half hour so you can to introduce you to my podcast audience and you can tell them what you do or your business, et cetera. And so I think those are some of the main benefits from it. If you picture yourself being able to sit in front of an audience of 100 or 200 people every week, would you get value out of that? What would your value be? And so that's the way I would look at it if I were starting one today. And then certainly, if you do get a massive audience, then you've got that advertising as an option down the line as well. What are the options when it comes to advertising? So a lot of people go direct. I sell ads direct on, on my podcast and my wife's, um, but there are also networks out there. It's a little bit much like discoverability and podcasts is still early days. I'd also say advertising as well. Uh, a lot of it is kind of one-off type deals. There's no, although we're kind of getting there, there's not really an ad sense for advertising. You know, I, Google AdSense, you just plug a widget in your website and it figures out what people are interested in and, and shows ad to them. Adds to them. We don't really have that for podcasting yet. There are some podcast hosts that will kind of do some inserted ads rather than host read ads that are a little bit more automated. But again, the revenue there is not going to be substantial from those as well. Right. I'm always a big fan of direct advertising, you know, getting those people directly. And so that depends a little bit on what your topic is. And if you know some people in the industry that that might be a fit for it. Yeah, I've got a couple of clients that have podcasts and because their market is very specialized, mm -hmm. they're able to command quite a premium on an ad slot versus if they were paying per download or something. And that brings up another point. I tell people to niche down as far mm -hmm. as they can. And so by that, I mean, if you're too broad, it's going to be hard to get an audience. So if you're a business coach, there are millions of business coaches out there. So why should someone listen to you? If you're a business coach, for doctors, 
then that becomes interesting, right? Because a doctor listening, they're not so, they're like, okay, business coach, how's that relevant to me? But uh, if they're listening and it's like, hey, I'm the business coach for doctors, I talk about how to expand your practice, how to manage it, that sort of thing, then that's kind of interesting. And you might even go down further, you know, for a particular type of doctor. So I would really think about kind of picking something a little bit more specific so you can be a big fish in a small pond rather than a small fish in a big pond. And what advice, you mentioned technology, but what advice do you have around making a podcast listenable? Because I'm assuming, certainly from my experience of podcasts, if somebody recommends a new podcast, which is very often the way that, and we'll talk about that in a second, very often the way that podcasts get found. But if that first one to three minutes, I might Mm. give it five, but probably not. If that's no good, I'm gone. Yeah. I've seen people take a couple of different approaches. So some people put a little excerpt of their podcast right at the beginning, the one or two lines that really grab the attention or some funny moment or something like that to get people's attention. Others do kind of a, hey, here's what we're going to talk about today. Let me list off the five things to get you excited about it. What you don't want to do is have a pre-roll ad that runs as soon as the podcast starts. So maybe a couple of minutes in is okay. But if it's the first thing, especially Apple changed things up recently, and they are the biggest source for for podcast downloads. It used to be basically the default action was to subscribe to a podcast on Apple. Now it's to listen. And so someone hits that listen button and they're hit with two ads right off the front. What are the odds they're going to subscribe? I do think you need to have something catchy at the beginning. I tend to just preview, here's the guest we're going to talk about. And, and here, you know, give maybe a minute there. And then I do my host read ad and then I go into the show. What about format? Well, I think format, there's no one perfect format and there's no perfect length. A lot of people say, oh, what's the perfect length? And someone somewhere said it was 22 minutes. So everyone's, you know, doing these 22 minute podcasts or whatever it is. It really depends. Mine, I think to me, the key is consistency, trying okay. to keep them about the same length each week. If you're doing a weekly, launching it at the same time each week, being consistent that way and having a somewhat consistent format as well. So mine is about a half hour every week. My wife's is about an hour every week. And that works for people. Would they like mine to be a little bit longer? Uh, Maybe sometimes. I do know if I go shorter, sometimes people email me and say, hey, that was really short. You should have gone a little bit deeper (laughs) into that topic, that sort of thing. So I'm like, okay, 30 minutes is about the right format for me. And then there's a question, do you want to be a solo podcast? Do you want to have guests? Right. There's no right answer to this. I find that having guests makes my job a little bit easier. Yes, we need to schedule, but I've done some solo podcasts where I'm the only one talking and I'm so exhausted by the time I'm done, you know, because right, you're right. coming up with 100% of the content rather than your guest having the content and you just prompting them. And that's a very good point. Uh, yeah, those... It may sound, oh, it's easy because I could just talk about this, this, and this, right. but then after. And that's probably where the however many hundreds of thousands of dormant podcasts are is it's the ones that thought producing their own content every week was going to be easy. And right. then by episode seven or something, they've, they've given up. You know, I would say most give up before 10. I, wow. I think that that's the number I've seen. And so we actually, so with podcastguest.com, we'll feature podcasts in our newsletter that are looking for guests but they have to have at least 10 published episodes for us to do that. Most have a lot more, but that's kind of our threshold. And they can still use our service to invite people before that. But we've kind of found that, and it's amazing because we let people submit their show as soon as it starts. And we say, hey, we're going to wait till you have 10 episodes. 
And gosh, the percentage of those, you know, we go back and check from time to time. Okay. Have they hit 10? And so many of them never make it that far. Right. I want to come back to your company in a second. Just on the thought that we had around how do you get your podcast listened to and noticed? What are the ideas or recommendations that you might have? Yeah. This is something that frustrates a lot of people. Discoverability with podcasts is a lot more difficult than some of those things we mentioned earlier, like blogs and and YouTube, where you just put it out there and Google kind of sucks it up. And if people are searching for that, they start finding you. Like Apple Podcasts right now really only searches the title and the author of the podcast. So they're not getting into the meat of it. And so the number one way I found to market your podcast is to be a guest on other shows. And when you think about it, the people that are listening to those shows, 100% of them are podcast listeners, right? So when you market <laughs> anywhere else, you know, maybe 10, 20% listen to podcasts, but with podcasts, it's 100%. So I'll give you an example of, of this in action. I was listening to a podcast, My First Million, and one of the guests on the show, Rob Walling, has a podcast called Startups for the Rest of Us. And so he was providing lots of value on the podcast. It was really interesting to me. I liked the topic. And at the end, he said, hey, if you like what we've discussed about today, you might like my podcast as well. And he name dropped it. So I immediately went in, subscribed. And then I've been listening to his back catalog going back months you know, to find the episodes that'd be really interesting to me. And so that's kind of the number one way to do it. John Lee Dumas, who does the popular Entrepreneurs on Fire, he said at Podcast Movement this summer, he said he spends time, he sets aside time to be on 20 podcasts every month as a guest. And here's someone who has this super popular, super famous podcast. And so that's kind of some of the effort you need to put into growing it. And I think if you do that methodically, you set aside time to do that and you take the effort necessary to get on a lot of podcasts, that'll certainly help you grow your show. Was that the reason you started podcastguests.com? I started it because I was having difficulty finding guests for my show. So my podcast is about domain names. It's a really really niche show. And after about a year of doing guest interviews, so about 50 interviews, I was like, who do I invite next? Right. And so I, I looked around to see if there was an easy way to find people. And at the time, all the options were basically agencies. And they charge you a lot of money to find guests for your show. And I said, surely there's going to be an easier free way. And so that was kind of the impetus for starting podcastguests.com. And tell everybody a little bit about what you do. Sure. So podcastguests.com is a platform that connects podcasters with guests for their shows. We have about 35,000 people using it. And it's a freemium model, but almost everyone's on free. We have about a thousand paid users. What we do is twice a week, we send out an email with a list of 10 podcasts that are looking for guests. Fit for any of them, you just click a link and you pitch to them. And all these podcasts are actively looking. They've told us exactly what, what they're looking for. So you can self-select if you're a fit and pitch to them. And then we have a directory as well. That's the paid side of experts that are looking to get booked on shows. And so you don't have to pay to get booked. You just have to pitch through the emails. If you want to have podcasters come to you, then you can go with that paid option. And I've used that service several times for guests on this show and, and been it's really excellent. happy with, with the, the quality of the guests. That's important, isn't it? That's Absolutely. And, and you know, quality, it can be a challenge to figure out if someone's going to be a good guest before they're on their show. I recommend people look at a few different things. It's Ideally, you can see, you know, find another episode of another podcast they've been on and listen. As a guest, you want to set up what's called a one sheet, which is basically a pitch page for yourself. 
And that's one of the things we enable on podcastguest.com. And so the things I would look at if I'm looking to have someone on are a list of previous podcast guest experiences for them. They're kind of their topics. And I ask people to give some suggested questions. It doesn't mean the podcaster has to ask those, but it helps the podcaster kind of understand what their expertise is. And so those are the types of things I would look at, trying to get at least listen to part of an interview or an audio snippet or a video they've been in, just to understand how they perform on this media. What are the benefits for somebody with a personal brand to be a guest on a podcast if they don't have their own podcast? Podcasters growing their podcast, but they're also getting some of the benefits that other people do. I think it's a great way to have a long form discussion Getting back to that idea of sitting in front of an auditorium of 100, 200, hopefully thousands of people on some podcast, it's, it's a fantastic opportunity that goes well beyond what you get on other types of media. So, you know, you think about the blog post, it's usually pretty short, quick, people read it, and then they're hitting the back button, right? YouTube videos are typically what, two minutes, three minutes in length. And so, what podcasting does is it gives you an opportunity to tell more of a story, you know, 30, 40 minute story. And really have a back and forth. So it's more akin to a radio interview, but a lot of radio interviews are short. So think of one of the interview shows, but it's also lower risk for you as a guest. If you get butterflies in your stomach when you stand up on a stage or on TV or live, since these aren't live, they can be edited. It's kind of a nice way to get more comfortable with being interviewed as well. And so you don't want to go on a podcast and sell, sell, sell. But like what this gentleman, Rob Walling, did on the podcast he was on, if you provide a lot of value in the form of entertainment or education to the podcast, then people will naturally come find you. And so most podcasters are happy for you to mention your service, right? I'm mentioning podcastguest.com on here, but that's not the point of this, right? The point of this is to talk about starting a podcast or the value of being a guest and kind of the education around that. What else do you advise in terms of, if you're going to be a guest, in terms of preparation? Yeah. So preparation, and this is a two-way street. The host kind of needs to help you prepare if you haven't been on a lot of podcasts. So from the host side, I would make sure that the guest understands what they need to do from a technology standpoint. So you had a very helpful email before I was on this that said it will be video too, which is good to know because I went and Cut out of my hoodie and put a polo on just for you. Combed my hair. Oh, thank right. you. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, that's helpful. Telling them you need to have an external mic. You can't be talking to your laptop mic or you'll sound bad, you know, so you won't sound good. We've all had that situation where a guest comes on and either have a bad mic or they're in a noisy situation. And that's not good for anyone. I like, as a host, I like to provide a brief outline. So, not the specific questions, but an outline to the person just so they can start thinking through it. You and I are on podcasts all day, every day, right? But a lot of people aren't very comfortable with that. And so you need to kind of prepare them so that they can at least think about, okay, we're going to be talking about this. Maybe I should go get this data point or have this, this information ready. If I'm going to ask a guest a specific question that is like a numbers question, I'll let them know ahead of time so that they can prepare for it. Is If it's something they might need to research. I heard an interesting podcast by Tim Ferriss. Uh, he did a whole podcast around what he does to prepare for podcasts ah, for his guests and everything. And one of the things is he sends a mic to every guest, an external mic. And he said, because he's had that situation where everything's set up and the sound is just dreadful right. and everybody's time is wasted because he's right. not going to use it. 
And if you have the budget to do that, by all means, ask people what they have or, or send it to them. You can get a pretty good dynamic mic for about $100, maybe even less. And uh, you know, Tim Ferriss obviously has a very popular show. Right. It kind of cracks me up because he was popularized with a book called The 4-Hour Workweek. And now when you think about just his recording a podcast, it has to be a lot more than four hours a week <laughs> and doing all that prep. But if you were doing a corporate podcast where you really want everyone to sound great, by all means, send a mic in the mail, right? Help them set it up and, and that sort of thing. Some podcasters like to do a pre-call with the guest. And in some cases, they're kind of doing that to screen to make sure that the person has a good technology set up, that sort of thing. You know, guests, the more hoops you make them jump through, the less likely they're going to be willing to be on your show. But for the most part, the host has the upper hand there. So I think you're okay asking for someone to do that. But you know, again, if you're comfortable with the person or background, you've heard them on a podcast before, that's probably not necessary to do. And what do you recommend around having multiple people on a, on a podcast, so either as two hosts, sometimes sure. you, you see that, or two guests? Uh, what are the challenges and, and what do you need to be thinking about? Sure, with sure. That format? So I like the two host model. That's what my wife does. And she and her co-host are banter off each other and it sounds great. I do solo, but sometimes I have a guest on and I'm really just bringing up topics kind of like we're co-hosts and I, and I think they go great. With having two guests, the thing you need to think about, if their voices sound similar, like let's say you have two men or two women with very similar voices, sometimes you need to prompt who is going to answer that question. And so you might need to think about that up front and let them know like, okay, Jane, what do you think about this? That sort of thing. Or have them say, you know, oh, this is Jane or this is Susan, you know, that sort of thing when, when they prompt, if their voices are, are pretty similar. And sometimes you'll ask a question and both of them are waiting for the other person to answer, right? And so that, that can get a little complicated, but that's where editing comes in. You need to edit your show and you can edit out that awkward thing where Jane tells Susan, oh, you take that one or something like that. You did mention about recording, but some people do do live podcasts, don't they? Which... Yes, a lot stream it and then record yeah. it, right? right? So, so I, I think two of the big changes over the past couple of years: a lot more video because people are comfortable with Zoom, which is what we're using right now. Whereas podcasts before were just audio, right? right. And then, yeah, a lot of live streaming as events went online that have been turned into recorded podcasts. And so, that that's one thing that you do need to understand up front. And as the host, it's your responsibility to educate the or tell the guest. As a guest, if you don't want to hear from the host about that, you should ask them. Right. And you mentioned the earlier about the one sheet. What mm -hmm. else should a guest be doing to increase the chances that they're going to get accepted as a guest for a podcast? Yeah. So one of the things it, when you pitch and put this on your one sheet, tell the host what you'll do to help promote the show after you're on it. So there are two reasons they want you as a guest on. One, they want the good content. They think you'll be a, a great guest and that their audience will enjoy it. And the other is that as a guest, you can help introduce the podcast to the guest audience, right? And so if you're upfront about that, say like, yeah, I'm going to post this on my social media and I have 50,000 followers, or I'm going to email it to my list of 10,000 people, something like that. That'll really get the attention of the podcaster. Because again, most of them are struggling to get a lot of downloads. And so they need to do everything they can, a full court press to try to get you know, as large of an audience as they want. What happens if you don't have that? If you don't have the social media following, 
Yeah. So I would look at what you do have, right? It might not be social media, but you probably have an email list or, you know, even if you don't have a lot of followers on social media, you can still say, Hey, I'm going to post this to Twitter three times after I'm on it or something like that. And, you know, then, so you're focusing less on the size of your audience and more on, Hey, I'm going to put some effort into this. Actually, one one of your guests that I got through podcastguest.com was he promised he was going to post it three months, six months, and 12 months. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he was saying, as my audience grows, exposure. That was a great thing for someone. That's a really good one. I'm going to take note of that one. And what about the pitch? What are the things that you should and shouldn't be saying? As, as right. So, well, include that, what you're going to do to help in the pitch. The key is to be customized in your pitch. So I don't know about you, but I get these emails all the time. Hi, our CEO would like to be on your podcast. And it's uh, you know, an environmental or, uh, you know, s- something just completely off base. Right. And so they're just spraying these out there, hoping one sticks and people know that, or, Hey, I listened to a couple episodes and I thought it was great. You know, really you listen to a couple episodes and you're in the waste management <laughs> business. And what, what does that have to do with this? Um, so if you do listen to an episode or two, which will really help tell the person that you're very interested be specific about, I like this discussion with so-and-so about this so that they know that you actually did listen to some episodes. And then, yeah, you want to be specific there. If you can find them some way other than just email, like maybe start interacting with them on Twitter or LinkedIn. And then you're like, hey, you know, if you ever want to talk about this, you know, so find a few different avenues in. And then, so yeah, it's, it's all about, I can, presenting yourself as someone who can really educate their audience or entertain their audience, and then you'll help them afterward. I do see... So some people that use podcastguest.com, when they pitch, they copy and paste the same pitch every time. And then they say, man, I've only gotten one booking and I submitted 10 pitches. And then I go back and look at their pitches and I'm like, well, you're submitting the same thing every time. So think about from a podcaster perspective, they're only seeing that pitch once, but if you're not customizing it to them... It's not going to come across as if you're really interested in their show. It's the same as any marketing message. And follow-up's important too, right? It's a lot about follow-up and that's effectively what you're doing here. So if you don't get a response the first time, maybe you try a different avenue. Uh, maybe you try you know, going the social media route or something like that. And you mentioned corporate. What are you seeing corporates doing? And are there any lessons that corporates are doing with podcasts that the smaller business or solo person could learn from? Yeah, I, I think corporations need to make sure that the podcast isn't about them. It's about a topic that's related to them, right? Few people want to go on and hear, you know, X, XYZ software company, you know, this is, these are our people, this is what we do, that sort of thing. But they would be interested if that software company, say, is in the medical space. If you had a podcast where you have a lot of doctors or people in the medical industry coming on to, to talk and educate people about it. So making it, more of an industry resource rather than a company resource, but the company still gets that branding, right? You know, it's like, hey, I'm so and so. I'm this. I'm the chief operating officer of XYZ company. We're glad to have you here today. You know, for our healthcare discussion. Any recommendations as to who to pick as the host? And equally, if a company is looking to get on guest podcasts, is there somebody they should use or shouldn't use for as the guest? I would say someone that is, I run into this a lot. You know, if you interview someone who's really technical, like an engineer, they might not be a great interview. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. So you need someone who is used to doing 
interviews or speaking in sound bites because you need to be concise at times. And so if you pick someone who rambles on, it's going to be a disaster. It's not necessarily the CEO of the business who, first of all, might not have the time. She might be too busy doing other things, but also might not be the best person from that perspective. So really think about who at the company would be a fit for that. Sometimes it's someone who's been through media training and understands how to, but it's not all a marketing thing. But then also an interviewer needs to be able to elicit answers from someone. If they're just asking open and closed questions that can be answered with a yes or a no, that's not going to go well. So someone who who has who is comfortable doing that is is really important. Right. And, and speaking of spokespeople, do you have a favorite personal brand or brand? Why? Yeah, I like quirky, fun brands. So in the domain name space where I am, you have brands like GoDaddy, which got kind of a reputation at first of being quirky and then going being edgy. And, and they, they just do all these fun things on their site to make something that is kind of technical at its heart, domain names, just kind of fun. You're on their site and they have funny messages and jokes and puns lots of puns and that sort of thing. So I like that approach to branding. That's, that reminds me of a company that does these giant fans and they're called Big Ass Fans. Big ass fans. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you buy one, they send a little rubber donkey <laughs> with the company uh, URL on the back end. <laughs> so it's yeah, exactly that kind of, I like. Right. What about uh, a favorite business book or podcast? And and by all means, do mention yours as well. If you are interested in domain names, which I know is a small universe, the Domain Name Wire podcast, please check it out. But I really like books by Barry Schwartz. It's kind of behavioral economics. And one of them is The Paradox of Choice, which mm-hmm. is the idea that if you give people too many choices, they don't make any choice at all. So there's a big business lesson in that, right? If you give people 10 options at checkout, a lot more are going to abandon the process than if you give them two or three. So it really makes you you think about things from from that perspective. But he has several great books out there. Yeah, he, that reminds me of Cialdini as well. Influence similar, some right. similar thoughts and right. Uh, a lot of these people cite the same research, right? You know, that, right. from from many years. So. Just on the topic of domains, with a podcast, should you have it hosted on your normal site, or should you be thinking about it needs a separate domain? That's a really good question. And I think it depends. I think it's great to put it on your own site if the podcast is tightly weaved in with what that business is. But if it's more you as a personality and, oh, by the way, I have this business, then I would create your own site. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And you can kind of have fun with the domain if you're doing a separate site. There's so many new domain extensions out there, right? Like .live, .tube, you know, that sort of thing, .audio that you can use. Uh, generally, I recommend people, if they're creating a full website, they probably want to stick with com or CA or, or, or whatever right. is common in their area um, and for their email address. But you can kind of have a little bit more fun if you're just creating it for your podcast. Right. And so that's not as critical, you think, for a podcast to have that. Got. I think so. You know, especially if you're not tying an email address specifically to the podcast. I always say when in doubt, if you can go with a dot com. But you know, this in, in some cases you can have a, a little bit of fun for this uh, circumstance, if you will, or, or make it a little bit unique and edgy. And do you have a favorite resource that you're currently using or enjoying using? Uh yes. Is do you hear that saw outside or that wood chipper? No. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> This is the power of a dynamic mic in that it's only picking up my voice, right? They're literally chopping down trees right outside. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that. It got a little bit louder. So a favorite tool or resource. One interesting one that 
I've started using lately is Loom, which lets you record super quick videos really easily and then send a link to people. And so I started using it for podcastguests.com because people would have a technical support question. And I'd start writing out, oh, you go here, do this, you go here, you go that. With this, I can easily record a response to them probably faster than I can explain it. It's easier for them to understand and I can customize it. I can be like, hey, you know, Paul, I understand you're having a question about this. Let me show you, let me walk you how to do it. And people are just blown away, right? That I took the personal time to respond to that, which I've enjoyed that and they have a free version. So that's that's one web tool I've been using a lot. I use a lot of web tools for domain name investing, but those are going to be very irrelevant to most people listening. So are you familiar with Descript or Descript? the uh, podcast editing software. I've heard of it. I have not used it. I've just started using it. If you do editing, oh, actually you, you can use it for video editing as well and sure. things, but it has blown me away in terms really? of it. So literally you, you upload the audio, it transcribes uncannily accurately, 90, 95%. Then you go, you can go to start to edit. And if you want to say, oh, I wish I hadn't asked that question. I'm just going to take it out. You take it out of the text and oh, removes it from the audio. So it really speeds up the editing. Oh, yeah. You know, you're listening for that exact spot where you started to ask that. that that's interesting. Editing is one of the things I outsource mm-hmm. because I tried doing it and decided it wasn't, it wasn't my thing. You do need to focus on the best use of your time. For some people, that is editing because they enjoy it. Like my wife edits hers and then sends it to the audio engineer, right? Because she's like, ah, I want to I wanna get this this just perfect, that just perfect. I want to delete this part, that sort of thing. But each person has their own thing. I, I know what I'm good at and what I'm bad at. And uh, audio editing <laughs> was not my thing. Okay. And do you have a favorite quote? So I don't like quotes. And I know that's <laughs> going to come across weird, but when I get a book and they, they have a poll, you know, quote they put at the beginning of at every chapter, I'm like, ah. Yeah, ah. And so I know that's a weird answer to your question. I do believe in you know, certain ideas though, right? Like perfection is the enemy of progress. That might be a quote from someone. And that's one I use often when I think about podcasting and people trying to perfect it before it gets out the door rather than just shipping it and then seeing what happens. I love that because you're the first person that said that. (laughs) So you're being true to your personal brand, which is- I mean, sometimes I hear a quote and I say, oh, wow, that's really interesting. But then I never remember it. And that point you just raised about waiting for perfection. And I, I was- Absolutely guilty of that. I should have oh, done a podcast. So was I. It took me an extra six months to get out the door. You know? Oh, no, I'm talking years. <laughs> <laughs> At least when I was first told, oh, you should do a podcast. But right. what are the other things that stop people from getting started? I think the editing or the tech side is definitely something that people should happily not worry about because you're right. It can be all outsourced at right. very reasonable cost. What else stops people? Yeah. So I think not understanding the equipment to buy. And, and this is a lot easier now because you can go get a list or a kit from someone. And then just people feeling like, why would anyone listen to me? And if you're asking yourself that, you do need to answer the question because I think a lot of people start a podcast and they're like, oh, it's me and my friend talking. And then they realize no one does want to listen to you talk. But I, I think people just, some people have trouble getting over the, the sound of their own voice. Again, that's where I would just kind of get out there and do it. And then you can kind of you can kind of figure that out as you go, right? You're going to get more comfortable with your voice. And frankly, you're going to sound better over time. Not your vocalations, but just kind of your answers. Practice makes perfect. If I go back and listen to the first few episodes of my show, 
I'd probably cringe. It's just, you get better at it. Just like anything. My, my daughter's learning how to drive now. And it's like, okay, you're not going to be great at first. It's going to take some practice. And the same thing goes for podcasting. So if you were to leave this audience today with one or two things that you say, these are the things you should do to get started or to get on the route to, to podcasts if they've never either thought of starting or they thought of starting a podcast, but they haven't, or they, they're thinking, okay, I'm going to give podcasting a try. What do you think they should do first? So first, try to be a guest on a few shows. See if you like that. If you do, then when you're starting a podcast, the key things to think about are getting a decent, dynamic external mic, getting good cover art. And then, you know, hosts aren't really important which one you pick. They're all kind of commoditized. But I think if you sign up for a hosting account for five, 10, 15 bucks a month, that'll also kind of kick you in the gear. Okay, I'm paying for this now. Let's start uploading some content. Right. You start seeing it on the credit card bill every month. Yeah, you think? Okay. Exactly. Got to do something. <laughs> Wonderful. How can people find out more about your service, Andrew? Uh, sure. If you go to podcastguests.com, you can sign up again for free. And then when you sign up, you get an email and it has my email address in it. So if you have any questions, you can just respond to me there. Wonderful. Okay. Awesome. Well, appreciate it. Thank you very much for today and, and have yourself a fantastic rest of the day. Thanks so much. Okay. Andrew has really shared what I feel is a balanced view of the podcasting space and how it can help you build your personal brand and your real estate investing business. It's not for everyone for sure, but as Andrew alluded, it is still at the very early stages. And where else might you get the opportunity to talk to a few hundred prospects or clients every week? Take his advice, get out there, guest on a couple of shows, maybe even this one if you have a personal branding story to share. Let me know if you do, or if you start your own podcast, send me the link and I'll take a listen. Have yourself a brandtastic day. Well, was that brandtastic? Did it give you some ideas and actions that you can take right now to build your business? So get to it. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.